Prologue I returned to myself. I rubbed my eyes, forgetting that the left was bruised and the pain snapped the world into focus. I was sitting on the splintery wooden floor of Uncle Orma's office, deep in the library of St. Ida's Music Conservatory, books piled around me like a nest of knowledge. A face looming above me, resolved into Orma's beaky nose, black eyes, spectacles and beard. His expression showed more curiosity than concern. I was eleven years old. Orma had been teaching me meditation for months, but I'd never been so deep inside my head before, nor felt so disoriented emerging from it. He thrust a mug of water under my nose. I grasped it shakily and drank. I wasn't thirsty, but any trace of kindness in my dragon uncle was a thing to encourage. "'Report, Seraphina,' he said, straightening himself and pushing up his spectacles. His voice held neither warmth nor impatience. Orma crossed the room in two strides and sat upon his desk, not bothering to clear the books off first. I shifted on the hard floor. Providing me with a cushion would have required more empathy than a dragon, even in human form, could muster. "'It worked,' I said, in a voice like an elderly frog's. I gulped water and tried again. I imagined a grove of fruit trees and pictured the little Porphyrian boy among them. Orma tented his long fingers in front of his grey doublet and stared at me. And were you able to induce a true vision of him? Yes. I took his hands in mine and then, it was difficult to describe the next bit, a sickening swirl that had felt as if my consciousness were being sucked down a drain. I was too weary to explain. I saw him in porphyry, playing near a temple, chasing a puppy. No headache or nausea, interrupted Orma, whose draconic heart could not be plied with puppies. I shook my head to make sure. None. You exited the vision at will? He might have been checking a list. I did. You seized the vision rather than it seizing you? Check. Did you give a name to the boy's symbolic representation in your head, the Avatar? I felt the colour rise in my cheeks, which was silly. Orma was incapable of laughing at me. I named him Fruit Bat. Orma nodded gravely, as if this were the most solemn and fitting name ever devised. What did you name the rest? We stared at each other. Somewhere in the library outside Orma's office, a librarian monk was whistling off-key. "'Was I supposed to have done the rest?' I said. "'Shouldn't we give it some time? "'If Fruitbat stays in his special garden and doesn't plague me with visions, we'll be certain—' "'How did you get that black eye?' Orma said, his gaze hawkish. I pursed my lips. He knew perfectly well. I'd been overtaken by a vision during yesterday's music lesson— fallen out of my chair and slammed my face against the corner of his desk. At least I hadn't smashed my ood, he'd said then. It is only a matter of time before a vision fails you in the street and you are run over by a carriage, Orma said, leaning forward, elbows on his knees. You don't have the luxury of time unless you plan to stay in bed for the foreseeable future. I carefully set the mug on the floor, away from his books. 
I don't like inviting them all into my head at once, I said. Some of the beings I see are quite horrifying. It's awful that they invade my mind without asking, but... You misunderstand the mechanism, said Orma mildly. If these grotesques were invading your consciousness, our other meditation strategies would have kept them out. Your mind is responsible. It reaches out compulsively. The avatars you create will be a real permanent connection to these beings, so your mind won't have to lunge out clumsily anymore. If you want to see them, you need only reach inward. I couldn't imagine wanting to visit any of these grotesques ever. Suddenly it all seemed too much to bear. I'd started with my favourite, the friendliest one, and that had exhausted me. My eyes blurred again. I wiped the good one on my...